are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast with Mark Alden Taylor. Hi, this is Neta Laurene from SmackDown, and you're listening to Freeform Rock Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Freeform Rock Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Mark Alden Taylor, and. And. <laughs> I'm the other guy who is not Mark Alden Taylor. You can call me Mr. I am not the guy who's Mark Alden Taylor. How are you doing? But I also have with us, or we, if we're talking about both of us, even though I'm not Mark Alden Taylor, haha, we have a special cool guy with us, Mr. Bob Reed. How are you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Right on. I'm doing. I'm. I'm. I'm not with any vodka bottle at the moment, so unfortunately, I'm doing only semi good. But <laughs> otherwise, it's all good. How are you doing, Bob? I'm doing yeah, all right. I got myself said, a beer right. here, and I'm ready to rock and roll and talk about some music. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Right on. Right on. You sound like uh, what's his name. <laughs> Right on, right like, on. Like someone who's the vocalist of a group who's better than who we're going to be um, uh, reviewing today? You sound like Matthew oh. Ma Matthew McConaughey. You know what I like right. about high school girls? They have their shirts tucked wow. in, right? Oh, on. my right God. Yeah. Oh, 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 God. Oh, oh, God. Um, um, thank God the camera's <laughs> off. Thank God the camera's off. But, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, see the vocalist of a group that's better than who we're going to be reviewing today. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, what a ream job! You're killing me today, Lee. <laughs> um, maybe not. You'll no. see what I say. So what Lee's referring to? We're doing the 1978 album by Rush. Which yeah, is let's their... rush. Let's rush. <laughs> which I'm which kidding. is their sixth studio studio album by the Canadian <laughs> rock band. Um. Said after touring for the support of the band's previous release, the A Farewell to Kings, during which the group gained popularity in the UK, Rush started work on its next album. As the band's previous studio album, Hemispheres, was recorded in Rockfield Studios in Monmouthshire at and Trident Studios in London with longtime engineer and arranger Terry Brown, Rush continued progressive rock sound with the with sidelong Cygnus X1 Book 2 Hemispheres and the nine-minute instrumental La Villa Strangato. You know, that song for years, I used to call it uh, Strangiato <laughs> until, I heard, <laughs> until I heard Getty say it, La Villa Strangato. I go, oh, that's how you say it. Right? Yeah, I was like, fuck. I've it. always said it's Strangiato, Strangiato, <laughs> which that's not that's that's not correct either. So or I call it Santiago. <laughs> I thought it was something Spanish. <laughs> I heard that it was a combination of Spanish and Italian, but that there is a place in Italy with that name, from what I understand. Yeah, but I but for me. La Villa Strangiato, um, it apparently means some like the strange city. The strange city, like your like your house, right? Like your apartment. Strange, um, Lee's strange apartment. Um, with, Lee, with Lee Strangiato. The, <laughs> with 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 all the different dust mites involved in. Hey, we want a new drug. 
and I I was shut up. I ain't gonna stop with my melding of the hot air. That can be your drug. Okay, I want a new drug, but Lee won't go away. Something that will make me cool, but Lee he looks too gay. I want a new drug. Take away the vodka bottle. Give me rum so he can do the rub 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 on our tummy. Never mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, so let's have. <laughs> so, Bob, how did you get into Rush? Well, I got into Rush, let's see, 1980. I, I heard uh, Spirit of the Radio was the first song I ever heard on a station in Chicago here called WLS, and it was an AM station. They would only play, what, I think two songs, Closer to the Heart, and then Spirit of the Radio were the only two songs I would hear. And then, well, go another year after that, 81, when... Uh, moving pictures came out and I started hearing Tom Sawyer and Limelight. So I was hearing the same four songs between 1980, 82, somewhere around there, and then got moving pictures and then just slowly started building up my, um, you know, my, my discography. Hmm. Hmm. He was building up his discography and we heard a boom. Are you there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. All right. I'll, I'll edit yeah. that out. All right. Go, keep going. You're slowly building up your discography? Yeah, I was building up on my discography. And I just slowly started building up, you know, buying the albums as they were coming out. You know, uh, Signals had New World Man and Subdivisions, and I liked that. And then I just, every time an album would come out, I'd get it. But it took me a good maybe five or six, seven years to finally go back into the 70s period and start indulging in all these 70s albums. And uh, once I did, I pretty much, I pretty much found my era of Rush that I liked the most, and that was definitely the '70s period. But I, I, I'm not dismissing the '80s period, which is when I got into the band. So yeah, when I got, when I got into band was the '80s period where I, uh, when I saw the video for Subdivisions, and I go, that's a really cool video. But I didn't buy anything until my neighbor had Grace Under Pressure, and he was playing that, and I went out, and then I started getting their whole discography, and then I heard Tom Sawyer. So I heard Tom Sawyer last, okay. basically, and then I went back to their whole catalog, and I was like, oh, God, this band rules. <laughs> now, Grace was a good album to start with, because that was like the first album that I really started seeing videos for on MTV with a distant early warning. You know, I didn't really see, I didn't see the Subdivisions video right offhand. It, later on, I did. But um, in 83, or I'm sorry, 84, when, when uh, Grace came out, I remember distant early warning, and I remember really liking that. So, yeah, that's a really good underrated album. We did a podcast on that, so you guys could go back and check out that episode. Definitely. Uh, uh, so, uh, Lee, how didn't you get into Rush? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I I didn't get into Rush until you told me to hear the album. I had never heard of the group before. <laughs> That's a I'm lie. You told, me, you told me your favorite period is Grace Under Pressure I'm on Up. I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> um, I um, I first heard them, well, I had first heard of them, like, um, I forget when I first heard of them, but I had albums by Cream and Hit Parader and stuff, and they talked about Rush's being the scoop that was really good. And if you've heard a couple of the other episodes we've done where I would ask people, 
how does the group sound like? They're good. Okay, um, what does that mean? But then finally in a record store, I uh, a friend of mine owned a record store, so I bought a Farewell to Kings, oh. and, and, and I heard it, and, um, well, you'll hear some of my opinion on that album when I go through the um, one of the songs here. But sure. then later on, I I heard um, Signals um, off of MTV because I happened to be kind of old enough, unfortunately or fortunately, to be around when MTV first started. And I heard that, and I thought it was okay. And But then I heard Distant Early Warning and the stuff off of Grace Under Pressure, and that's when I really liked them. And finally, I did buy um, some of their later albums, like Grace Under Pressure and um, um, Signals and Power Windows and stuff. And and then I later I bought like um, the Fly By Night. And sure. then I thought the first album was great. The yeah. one with Finding My Way and all that. Yeah, with Rutt and Drums. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I um, really liked that stuff. And I and I liked... I, 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 I had heard Red Barquetta and Tom Sawyer on MTV. I still haven't heard the whole album. Really? But it was like... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I should actually listen to it. I'm like one of the only people... Who haven't heard the whole album yeah, of hunt, moving dude. pictures? <laughs> oh, which on camera's eye, yeah. vital signs. There's yeah. a lot of obscure yeah, but, songs on that album. Yeah, but but I did get the Rush songbook, and I would play on piano Rush songs. And um, there, there's not, it's not easy. You know that the early stuff was a little bit easier, but some of that stuff was pretty hard to play. But I mean, I knew how to play it slowly, because sure. I would would see the notes. But I couldn't play it like Rush played it. Like if Lifeson did a guitar song, blah 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 blah, blah I could play like, right. da 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 da. You know, so so I didn't play at the same speed. But 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 I still. But, but 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 I still understood it musically. Sure. But so um, and then later on I bought stuff like um, Hold Your Fire, and which a lot of people hate, which I like. <laughs> and 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 I'm not a yeah. big fan of it. I just um, don't like Tai Shan. That's it. Um, I agree. That, I I I think Tai Shan could have um been better as far as one of the songs on this album, but, oop, but, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, 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 otherwise, um, um, I, I haven't heard the whole Rush discography, but I mean, they're, they're a group who I do respect and I do like, but they weren't ever my very favorite band, but, but they were, they were okay. Yeah, um, I also uh, I got the book Rush album by album by Martin Popoff, and yeah, I, which I hope you don't read. I'm gonna but... read it right now. Oh, getting hemispheres. Nice. It nice. says the height of the pro prog lunacy and therefore many 
Many a fan's gosh darn favorite Rush album, Hemispheres, gets sensibly paired with A Farewell to Kings as the second part of a two-pack due to both records being made in Rockfield in Wales, and also the continuation of the Cygnus story in a side long song, Confrontational Pretension Indeed. Sorry, I'm reading like a freaking idiot. Uh, Rush, Rush Construct a song so long that nobody can even figure out what it's called. The common parlance being Hemispheres, although it's the real title, Sinus X1 Book 2 Hemispheres, about a ridiculously tales of uh, ridiculous tales from the top topographic, a song title as you will you'll ever squint to my mind. Hemispheres is a record where Rush let their belt out of their pants could sag, versus Farewell to Kings which sounds pants hitched up notch notch up too far thinner of recording overcast it's imaginary it's ma uh, imaginary and somehow inspirational <laughs> but not quite there A an echo of ca caress of steel on hemispheres okay i sucked at reading that so sorry fans but uh you get the joke. hey i actually like that because it sounded more like you were singing a song that that that, that was kind of weird so and so, yeah, bit... yeah, I, 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 I prefer that over you going, <laughs> man, I like this I used this to read song. better I, than that. I don't know. Th this guy is too smart I, I like me. it I more like, man, I love this song. This was a potato um put in <laughs> oven 360 degree. Oh, rub tummy on <laughs> avocado. Oh, 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 you know? All right. Yeah. But it also says the band attempts the impossible and then achieves it creating what will forever be the band's most escapist epic as the most complex instrumental. Neil quipped that the band worked on La Villa Strange Auto longer than the entire Fly By Night album. <laughs> I believe that. Wow. Hmm. So, look, they I read it. well there because I read that earlier. <laughs> I practiced oh, the half part. All right, right. <laughs> so let's get into this album. We got the first track, which is the whole side one, which is Cygnus X1, Book 2, Hemispheres. Part 1, Prelude. Part 2, Apollo, Bringer of Wisdom. Part 3, Dionysus, Bringer of Love. Part 4, Armageddon, A Battle of Heart and Mind. Part 5, Cygnus, Bringer of Balance. And Part 6, A Sphere, A Kind of Dream. So, uh, Bob, what yeah. do you think about this? Well, that, the, Cygnus, the first song is my favorite. I, I mean, it's it's got it, so much happens in, in 18 minutes, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the tempo changes are, are intense. Um, I, I, and when people ask me why this is my favorite, I don't know. I, this would not have been a, a song or an album that I ever would have gravitated to, to become a Rush fan. I'll be the first one to admit that because of its complexity. I, I think I, if I had heard this first, I probably would have been a little bored and I wouldn't have gotten it. But, but because I got into other Rush albums first and, and, and gravitated to their 80s material first before going backwards, I, it made me have a much better appreciation for a song like this, which has, like I said, six parts. And I, you know, I'm not one into signature changes and all. I, I love hearing them, but I'm not, I'm not a musician by, to be able to sit here and break it all down. I'd love to, because I like hearing people break down the different parts of, of this song. But as a whole, I just I just never get bored of this. I could put this on and listen to it and just get lost in it. And 
again, I would never in- introduce this as a, as a song to somebody who's just becoming a fan. I would say if you've been a fan for a while and you really like and you're getting to know their 70s material, I would say, you know, listen to 2112 first and maybe a farewell and then you can listen to Hemispheres. I think though that's a perfect trio. Maybe I should stop using that word because we keep getting messed up. <laughs> Actually, I, 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 I think that, that whoever the fandoms are who are doing that, I think we should challenge them and you could use the word again. <laughs> let's Let's see what happens. Every, so, 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 so fans, every time uh, Bob says trio, he cuts off. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, like I say, the perfect trio of albums from this, from their 70s period, for me, would definitely be 2112, A Farewell, and Hemispheres. Uh, that's I always recommend that as listening to, you know, for people who are learning about Rush and wanting to know their 70s period. But, but, but Hemispheres, for me, was the cream of the crop as far as my favorite i'm not saying it's their best but it, it's my favorite and signius x1 book two to me just is very it's just the definitive rush uh a prog prog rock rush to me that's it's it's that's their most defining moment was that was that first song and what did you think coffee ah, Lee. oh <laughs> thank you i was trying not to have that be on the but but i can't help it but anyway <laughs> Well, with Cygnus X1, I'm not a fan of science fiction. I tend to avoid it, but that doesn't mean I can't appreciate a song with science fiction lyrics. The only thing is, the music is a bit too complex without as much feeling as I would like. I do like surrealistic fiction, I mean, futuristic music. One really cool album is by Tangerine Dream called Zeit. And the whole yeah. thing is is sort of like what the beginning of Cygnus X1 Part 1 was like on... I heard that today. I was listening to that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, on Cool. On A Farewell to Kings. But even though I like the rest of the song, which appears on Hemispheres, better, there's bits I like and bits that I want to like, but seem less entertaining, like the group wanted to teach me a lesson on what good music is. There's too many stops and starts and yeah. repeated themes as if a four-year-old wrote a classical piece and put it to rock. It's something I'll continue once in a while trying to hear so I can tell myself finally I got it and I understand it. But there's other progressive groups around that time I happen to like better. Maybe not much better, but somewhat better. I give this an M for maybe. <laughs> I love this song. This is like a freaking, uh, I don't know, it just freaking rocks. I like the different parts to it. I like it when it goes low, I love it when it goes fast. I just love Getty's voice, Neil Peart's drums, Alex is just jamming on this song. It's a freaking masterpiece to me. And Mike Portnoy of uh, Dream Theater said, Sure, well for me, Hemispheres is the perfect combination of the prior two albums, 2112 and Farewell to Kings. It's a conceptual side long piece like 2112. And it got even more technical, progressive nature of where they were going with the songs. In A Farewell of Kings, so it's the best of both worlds for me. And I think the quintess- oh, and we all and go I think on. it's the quintessential, most progressive album Rush ever made. Basically, just four songs, a huge sidelong epic, with each of the others being mini epics and one instrumental, which was which 
was, I guess, at the time, the first real blown instrumental that they have ever done, not counting 2112's Overture or the little drum solo in Caress of Steel. So for me, right. Hemispheres represent the ultimate prog rock presentation from Rush. Oh, so we always listen to Mike Portnoy, don't we? Well, I have two other guys I can <laughs> talk about. All right, all right, now I'll be quiet. I just put in the most famous one. <laughs> Thank you for stopping there, if you do. If I do. Well, then we get to the <laughs> next track, Circumstances. What did you think about this one, uh, Bob? Hello? Hello, we're here. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I keep cutting out, so I was just making sure I was on. That's all. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so circumstances, what did you think about that, Bob? I love circumstances. I, I wish this is one I wish I could have heard live. I think I might have heard it live in one of the times I saw him live once. And uh, when I saw how much Getty was kind of struggling <laughs> on, the, uh, on the vocals, I understood why. Maybe they just did it as a, uh, like on the uh, 30th anniversary tour and the 40th, they kind of brought parts of circumstances and I don't remember them doing it in its whole but um I love the song I love the the friend I like when he talks in French and I, there's nothing about that song I don't like I just wish I could have heard that one live more I think I only heard it live once in all the times I'd seen them um which was a kind of a bummer but I understood why so what'd you think about it uh Lee um this makes the first song sound better by comparison <laughs> I can't complain about the musicianship it's a fine song for what it is, but it doesn't have anything musically in it that speaks to me. It's more about the technical musicianship, which often I can be cool with and enjoy, but this seems flat. It's like a song that was supposed to sound good and became a song that mimicked a song that sounded good, but didn't do the best job of it. I don't hate it by any means. I'll still go back and listen to it, in order to try and understand it but it suffers from the same thing as the first song it has yeah. too much busyness without something i can say i really enjoy i'll be nice and give it a five so nice uh, so from the book popoff asked uh i guess he's a drummer i don't know him uh jason popovich um he asked them from a drummer's perspective jason what is the magic of circumstances as a drummer it got nice in your face punch to it and when i was a young musician listening to it it was like something we never heard before so original the way the guitar chords and the bass work with the timing everything is connected and i guess that the thing about the power trio philosophy i don't find a drumming drumming it is difficult but what can happen when you're counting seven eight time and it's very easy natural you want to just play four four and when you're constantly thinking about counting it you could get screwed up <laughs> You just got to remember that seven eight, as a musician, as a fill, it's a bit shorter. Every bar is a quarter note. It drops off one quarter note, and it's just the same. <laughs> a lot about their music, and it goes back into four four with Rush. It's about what's the extra eight? What's where's the extra eighth note? Or where's where's the one they took away? Laughs. That's what you got to remember. <laughs> about this song and I go, Damn. so you instead of giving your opinion mark you're reading from pop and fresh dough no i'm gonna give my opinion now it's just giving you uh what the book says i pop have this and book. Fresh dough. i might as well use this book damn it my wife bought pop it and me. fresh dough pop and fresh dough pop popovich well i think this song is 
radical, man. I love Kenny's voice on this, and I can hear what Bob said. It's hard to sing because he really hits my notes on this. And and uh, as you get older, unless you're like a freak like Michael Sweet of Striper, you can't hit those high notes in your 50s anymore. So I could see where why they didn't do this in concert as much, but freaking the song is driving hard. Freaking Alex, and, and like we said, it's hard. It, it seems like it's easy to play, but then you go, where do these notes come from? It's like Rush goes right. back and forth with Neil, because Neil's a genius. It's a fucking great song to start side two, man. Yep. And then we get to Lee's favorite song, which, sorry, Lee, we're not going to play, because it's only four okay. minutes, and we're only picking one song off a four-song album. So The Trees, what would you think about this, Bob? You know what? I, I like the trees, and it's the one that you always hear live. And, you know, it's a nice little story about the maples and and all that. But it's my least favorite of the bunch. I, I, it just, it's, I, I, I've always, it's the one song I'll probably skip when I, when I play the album. And that's, and, and I'm being honest. And, um, but again, live, I've always enjoyed hearing it live. I just, I'm not a big fan of the studio version. Um, that's just me, but it's still a good song. It's just it's it's my least favorite from that album. Yeah. See, there's something with that. There's certain words I'm using that's causing this to skip to skip uh, out. Uh, the trees, the trees is my least favorite song uh, on the record, and that's it's just because it's been overplayed. I've heard it a lot. They do it live every time I've seen them. Um, again, it's a good live song, but studio wise, it just I, it's just never done much for me. I've always skipped it when it comes on. So, uh, Lee, this is your favorite song off the album. Why? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, Bob, um, next time if you're on, you have to remember to like the songs that I like because oh. I, I get kind of testy. And, oh. and, then, and then so and so, I, I, I'm uh, Mark is into honesty. I'm 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 more of a bitch. So okay. so please remember that. Okay, okay. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I I like the fact that you were cool enough to um, say that what you've thought about the song but yeah. with me yeah now this is a good song i like the vibe and the complexity and the words and the variety in the music this is how the first two songs should have been like i can feel the passion in it the first two songs sounded studied but this one sounded like they really meant the message they wanted to say and they did it in an interesting style so yes I do think this song is one of their better songs. And if people were to buy this album strictly for this song, they'd be getting some value. Two thumbs up for me. Yeah, I, I, I love the lyrics. I love the message they're conveying in this. It's like, uh, you know, the Oaks and whatever are fighting against each other. And then they just bring yeah. peace with hatchet, chain, and saw, you know. Freaking, I, yeah. I think it's great lyrics by, uh, vi it's visual, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's visual, the way yeah. Neil Peart writes these lyrics, and it is done way better live. You know, they didn't. Okay. It's like Bruce Springsteen. Sometimes Rush doesn't get captured well in the studio, but they do live. They're way better live yeah. than you hear them in the studio. I have to agree. It's like their last album when I heard freaking a lot of those new songs. They were so much better live, but the studio did capture it. I think. I think Clockwork yeah. Angels did capture. Oh yeah. I'll have to hear. I'll have to hear some of their live albums a little bit more. I had Exit Stage left, and I think I always heard a song from it. I forget what song I heard, but I think that was it, and I never really listened to it. 
Oh, there, they got a lot of good live records. Oh yeah, they have so I'll many. Have to, I got one from nineteen seventy four. I'll have to listen to it again. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to listen to ex Exit Stage Left again. Or yeah, I think Exit's my favorite, but they have a few of them out there that are pretty worthy. I think Live in Rio, yeah. I think, is their best one to me. Live, live in Rio is good. I like different stages. I think yeah. there's different, you know, different. No, different stages. Uh, that was a good live record. If you want to listen to. Uh, uh, a lot of their 90s time period. Um, you listen to, to different stages. All the world's a stage is good for their 70s period. 80s, you definitely got everyone's favorite exit stage left. But if you get the box sets, there's a lot of juicy little live bits and pieces in, in all the different box sets too that I think diehards would really enjoy. I know Lee's not a diehard, but um, yeah, I think he'd appreciate it. Yeah, on this so. one, they had the Pink Pop Festival, which was really cool. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Definitely. Yeah, it's hard for me to die after listening to Rush, but but I try hard. I'm <laughs> All right, now we get to the, the epic instrumental on this album, which is the one we're going to play. It's, uh, dang it, I lost my spot. Yeah, it's, villain... not the, it's not the trees, damn it. All right. Well, the trees on. is short. This is only four songs. So I want to pick a longer song. And Then why aren't you playing four times? Never mind, it's okay. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Well, I'm playing this nice. because it's it's a representation of Rush. It's like this is the this is like live and on the studio album like, to me. Okay, yeah. okay. And it's a La Villa Strange Auto, an exercise in self indulgence, part one. Boynish notice, mind friends. Two to sleep per per sense of to dream. Three, strange auto theme. Four, Alexis in Wonderland. Five monsters. <laughs> uh, I think they just freaking just name shit. Just name shit. <laughs> it's like six. The ghost. Why of didn't they? Why 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 didn't they just um cut off each song in that part? So then that way, instead of having to hear the whole thing, you could hear two minutes. Stop. Hear thirty <laughs> seconds. Stop. Hear ten minutes. Stop. Hear two seconds. Stop. And on and on. I know Aragon is their freaking thing to uh, Lord of the Rings. They love that, love those books. And then you got uh, part part seven, Danforth. Wait, the part six is Ghost of Aragon. Part seven, Danforth and Pape. Part eight, the Waltz of the Sheaves. Part nine, Never Turn Back Your Back on a Monster. <laughs> Number <laughs> ten, Monsters Reprise. Eleven, Strange Auto Theme Reprise. And twelve, A Farewell to Things. So, nice. So let's get into this song. Here's uh, La Villa Strange Auto. I think the best instrumental Rush ever did. People that could be arguable with a lot of Rush fans. But here we go on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Okay, that was La Villa Strange Auto. Uh, Bob, uh, what'd you think yeah. of that one? I it's it's my favorite song. Well, it's my second favorite on this album. I, I still like Book Two. Um, the first song my is my favorite, but La Villa is uh, is definitely is right up there with it. Um, I, what can you say about this? Song? It's it's one of the best instrumentals they've ever done. Every time I've heard it live, I just get mesmerized by it. I think what I like most about this song is the fact that the band actually tried and wanted to record this particular song in one take all the way through. And when I listened to it, I just, I, there's no way they would have ever been able to. I don't know how they could have even conceived the idea that they could have done it. They had ended up recording it in three parts, but I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to watch them actually try and record that whole song in, in just one sitting, uh, it, it blows me away. What'd you think about it, Lee? Oh, well, this is an interesting song. I like most of it, and some I don't, but the mixture and the surprise save it. I love Alex Lifeson's guitar solo on it, and I think it's a great song to allow for jamming, but there are some parts of it that also remind me of some of their more technical endless feeling elements but those parts aren't dominant here mostly it's a song with variety and i think they came close to perfecting what they wanted to do here they didn't totally perfect it but overall i'd say this song works pretty well and it's my second favorite song on the album if the trees was a sidelong song and this was a sidelong song I think the album would have been pretty darn good. Well, uh, Mike Portnoy says, La Villa Strange Auto is something of the most challenging instrumental ever written at the time. I don't know if any band had ever made a piece of technically that technically challenging. I think they set the bar, and since then, a lot of hands, including what I was doing with Dream Theater for all those years, were following the blueprint that they had laid down on this album and that kind of music. Nobody was making music that technical and musically challenging. All three of them were exploring their instruments beyond anything that anybody was doing. And Neil Peart was working with all kinds of percussion. His kit was no longer than a drum, was no longer the, just a drum kit. It was like a drum village with everything from tubular bells, glockenspiels, and every kind of handheld percussion instrument. And Alex's solo on the villa was, I think, the greatest thing he ever recorded up until the point and maybe even ever since then and Getty's bass playing was complete virtuoso, virtuoso bass playing that taking talk taking what Chris Squire was doing and going well beyond so all three of them were raising the bar I agree with that right I, on thank you Mike Portnoy and thank <laughs> you Bob and that's been Mike Portnoy and Bob and me on Freeform Rock Podcast. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the greatest instrumental they ever did. That's just my op uh, opinion. All their instrumentals are awesome. Okay, but this is the one that they always bring in concert. You don't see a concert without them playing this song or parts of it. It's right. And if they do not play it, they will get they will get egged. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, seriously, you're right. Everybody wants to hear this. Everybody wants to hear this in YYZ. Uh, yeah. And, and those two songs will, and they always, and Where's My Thing is really good too. But, Where's My Thing? A lot of, uh, yeah, that's got a lot more uh, publicity than I ever would have thought. I think it's good, but I still think La Villa's better. 
Lavelle is, I know everybody goes to what's your favorite uh, Rush instrumental? People like non like casual Rush fans will say YYZ rules. I go, really? Have you heard Lavella? And all of a sudden they go, oh shit. <laughs> <After Yeah>. they... <laughs> yep, you're right. That's true. Yeah, because uh, uh, YYZ is like a short kind of, this thing is like epic. This is like an epic yeah. instrumental that freaking, it's over 10 minutes. Come on. I said, I agree. Who, who does an instrumental over 10 minutes? <laughs> not many. There ain't too many not, bands that, not, that's for sure. Not many bands could pull it off without getting you bored. <laughs> right. This song has so many time signature changes, so many changes to it. It's like the greatest song I've ever heard without lyrics <laughs> to me. Yeah, I have to agree. I can't argue with that. It's like, I wonder if they ever thought of writing lyrics to this, but probably not. <laughs> I don't think I don't think so. It's usually, it's kind of funny because a lot of times when the band goes in to record something and they, they want to jam, they'll start out a song much like the instrumentals that we end up hearing as instrumentals. And then sometimes you'll, if you watch any of these documentaries, Getty will say, well, you know, I actually had lyrics to that song or this song was supposed to be uh, an instrumental, but I ended up having lyrics for it and we ended up, you know, making it a song with lyrics. I can't remember right offhand what song I'm this, that I'm referring to, but there were times where they actually had a lot more instrumentals on hand that ended up becoming songs. I don't know if it was ever the other way around where they were working on an instrumental and he's like, I can come up with lyrics for this. That would have been cool if they had, but for La Villa, I don't know how they would have done that. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and uh, that's they, 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 they could have written maybe like, um, like, like chicken chow mein, um, pasta, love, fazui, um, ten ninety five, two ninety five for an individual <laughs> course. You know, da 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 da, da pasta, fazui, da da da, two ninety five, da da da, pay your check now, da da da, come here quick, da, don't go out the door, da da, hey you fucker, come on, I'm kidding. Dude, I didn't know Mike Portnoy had a cover band called Cygnus and the Sea Monsters. <laughs> Rush tribute band. <laughs> I was like, "What?" It's <laughs> just reading that, man. It's oh, that, that 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 makes them um even less interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the final thought on this with Popoff says, "Funny." Just the final thought. There were only two people ever who sort of got access to me. This concept that magic can happen when a band is right on the edge of their capabilities, and that was Ronnie Montrose talking about the first Montrose oh, album. Oh. That and Getty Lee talking about hemispheres. Hmm. That's weird. Well, everybody brings I, up the first Montrose album, and everybody. Yeah, that one's good. We should have done that. <laughs> I, I would have done it. I like Montrose. I don't have a problem with Montrose. I know everybody <laughs> likes Sammy and Montrose, but after that, it's like fuck him. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I suppose we could get into that if we want to. But... <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, I'm I'm glad we did this album. The the, the thing is that um, when I heard Cygnus X One from Farewell to Kings before this before Hemispheres, um, it didn't work as well. I found that for me, the song Hemispheres worked better as its own song for some yeah. reason. As if Farewell to Kings to me sounded. I mean, I don't know what you think of the album, but I mean, to me, it sounded like there was a lot of filler and there were like maybe five minutes of good music on it. And, and the rest was like twiddle my thumbs. Whereas this, 
this actually sounded a little more like they had an idea what they were doing. And even though some of it I like better than others on some days, to me, this this seemed like a more fully realized album than Farewell to Kings did. It's interesting that you say that because I've recently, I go on these different Rush Rub sites. I'm sure you've been on them, some of them too, Mark. And I've seen people make comments about a Farewell to Kings the way that you've just described it, uh, Lee. And, and although I can't relate, I, I, it, at the same token, oh, all right. at the same token, there's got to be something there because you're like the fourth or fifth person to have said what you've said about a farewell kind of being a, it's, it's, it's getting there. It's not quite, you know, there, there's a lot of filler um, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and you're not the first one to say that. I, I used to be surprised when I first heard that, but then I'm like, no, I, I, I kind of see what you're talking about. Um, I love yeah. a farewell things. I love it. I do love the album, but, okay. but I think I agree with you on, on, on some of that where, you know, uh, Hemispheres does, it is a more well I feel, I, my personal opinion, a more well-rounded album. Than yeah. Yeah, I feel it's a more rounded album, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, like, well, it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a much more well-rounded album than that of, of Farewell of the Kings. Although I do love a Farewell, and I know some people think that that's, you know, that's their best album, but um, I, I think that you're right. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, my, right my, my least favorite Rush album is, is also really good. You know, I love the first Rush album, but I'm a huge Neil Peart uh, nut swinger. So that okay. album is the last thing I'll go to. <laughs> but I do love oh, it. It is a rocker. You mean the first one? Yeah, the first one. Oh, so you don't... Well, I... I, 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 I'm, I my voice is getting tired, so I'm not going to yell. Okay. But I do like the first album a lot. It's just, it's not Rush to me. Rush started with, uh, what is it? Karis is Still or Fly By Night? One of the, I'm freaking a little buzzed right here. So. Okay. Fly By Night. Fly By Night, yeah. Fly By Night is the first real Rush album for me. <laughs> um, I, I'd say that, that um, unfortunately, I have to agree um, only because it seemed like whatever it is that they wanted to do they finally decide to do it on the second album but as its own album as like rush before they got neil i i i do like their first album a lot i i won't i i'll say sometimes i get a little tired of it i i hate to say that because it's so good yeah but for me Basically, um, until Signals, I actually thought the first album by Rush, um, and then Signals, and, and then you can cut out everything else between that. That's sure. that's just my my opinion as far as how I grew up with them. Nice. I just yeah, feel I, I just feel rushed to become rushed till Neil was in the band. They totally changed trajectory. You know, they changed their style. They sounded like the Who and Led Zeppelin on the first album. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's why they were good. <laughs> they became. Well, I, mean, I, I know now not not to let Mark be a, a producer on. <laughs> well, no, no, actually, he should be a producer on my album because he'd probably know more than me. 
<laughs> oh, I think Mark's got a good ear. Mark's got a good ear for stuff. Mark would be a good producer, I think. Yeah. Uh, I would tell people yeah. to stop uh, editing the, the ending solo and stop putting it out. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on some of those Van Halen albums. You hear Eddie jamming, and all of a sudden it's going lower. Why? <laughs> I wonder the rest of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you, Bob, for coming on here. Uh, he's on Facebook. He has the uh, group page for the love of all things music. Did I get that right? I'm yes, you did. All right. With his uh, partner in crime, uh, Meg. Meg Reed. Meg. And uh, yeah. we tried to get her on here, but she doesn't think she could do a good job. No, I think if she hears this, she'll realize she would have been a better guest. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were awesome, man. And it was... no, thank, I appreciate you guys asking. That was nice, man. Yeah, well, we tr we try to get a lot of guests on here because Lee likes to yell. So yeah, <laughs> well, that's why we love Lee. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't yell enough. Damn it! I know. See? I didn't say Bon Jovi enough. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Lee, you crack me up with that Bon Jovi stuff, man. Hey, Lee, if I if I get hey. if I get John Bon Jovi to interview on the hey. show, you could take a day no. off. You could take oh, a God. day off, and I'll just get bushy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you can have him. Bushy would thank love you. to be a part oh, of that. Bushy, Bushy I already. Bushy I already. Get him instead, man. Bushy already commented on that, saying, "Tag me I in." I know. <laughs> I saw that. I thought I was like, "Well, I knew he. I knew he'd want to do it." Oh yeah, I could give Lee a day off. <laughs> nice. That'll be a special episode where Lee isn't sabbatical. Right? <laughs> Damn. He's on a drinking vodka binge. All right. <laughs> Actually, if you really want me on it and you didn't mind me asking him certain questions, let it roll, buddy. <laughs> That's probably why yeah. it'd be like, it'd be like uh, Ralph cutting out Ian from Michael Sweet. <laughs> oh, man. Um... One thing that I will say, unfortunately, is as a person, I like Michael Sweet better, but damn it, I do like Bon Jovi's music better. Fuck! <laughs> All right, man. So let's get into our uh, tracks of the week. And you picked a band called Joe Mama, Keep On Trucking. And Lee, when I yeah. heard the title, Keep On Trucking, I thought it was going to be rocking. Yeah. It was! <laughs> it's like. Hippie music, man. No, it God damn it, you don't even fucking know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was listening to it and it wasn't what I expected. I'll just put it that no, way. No, no, you don't fucking know. No, he worked with James Taylor and Carol King. Oh, no Carol wonder. Was a <laughs> no, shut up. He, he was also on Jackson Brown's Running on Empty album. I like Jackson Brown's Running on Empty album, but I can't stand James Taylor. He's a great lyricist, and I like it when other bands do his songs. And Carol oh, King... shut up. You sound like my ex-girlfriend. And Carol King she, just bores the shit out like... of me. Oh, God damn you. It's, you like when I hear... it's like when I hear James Taylor, I turn knockerleptic and start oh. passing out. My ex-girlfriend, she said that she thought that James Taylor was only a pretty boy. I said, no, he was good. <laughs> And she didn't like jazz, so I told her about Michael Franks, and I said that he was like a jazz version of James Taylor and June. Oh, I just forgot who you said. Damn it! <laughs> All right, and then uh, Bob picked the Darkness, Heavy Metal Lover, 
And I listened to it and I go, I hated this band, but I like this song. <laughs> no, you should like the song that I like. Damn it. <laughs> is it because I remember the darkness? That's like, a good song. The guy went, a goo -goo -goo, and I go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> so I never listened to that band again after that song. But uh, wow. I guess it proves you should hear Joe Mama again. They have some good stuff. Don't let the song that I gave fool you. All right, uh, but I can listen to Joe Mama and then Joe Daddy later. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. And then Joe Lee, Joe Spank Your Daddy Lee. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, and then I picked uh, Coheed and Cambria uh, in Keeping Secrets of the Silent Earth Part 3. Uh, that was good. Yeah, because they're part. They're huge Rush fans. I want to pick like a Rush yeah. song. So that's that our, was good. That's our tracks of the uh, week, and uh, so Lee wants you to go listen to Joe Mama, <laughs> yep. and Bob yep. wants you to listen to The Darkness, and I want you to listen to Coheed and Cambria. So until next week, and uh, Bob, <laughs> thank you again, and uh, hey, thank you, Bob, thank you so much, and, and no thank you, no thank you, Mark, for not liking Joe Mama. Now that sounds gay. <laughs> like I want you to like my mama. Uh, how about uh, Joe the, Mama, the, Joe the, Daddy, the, Joe Bald-Headed Granny? The, 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 the big guy with the big butt named Joe Mama. You don't like him. I'm sorry. Joe, oh. Mama, Joe Mama, Joe Daddy, Joe Bald-Headed Granny. All right. All right. That, that actually sounds like my family. <laughs> nice. nice. All right. Until next time, Lee. Say goodbye. Bye-bye.
sit next to me Listen to a little obituary You love your medal and it loves you back Even your pajamas are black You look so happy when you're carving meat Sugar pie, honey bunny, you're so sweet Feel so metal when you're by my side All of my neighbors are terrified Every bit of love I just wanna be with you Every bit of love I just wanna be with you Every bit of love I just wanna be with you
summer chair Into the August air Take me there Don't think about the heat It's time to get on the street Time to fly away from your lonely day Keep on chalking Keep on chalking Keep on chalking Keep on keep it on Time to get down Time to get around Time to get out Time to judge 
You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artist by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.